So, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is our second remote edition. I am Jacob, sitting across the city from my co-wrangler, Allison. Hey, Allison. Hi, I'm in North Las Vegas. <laughs> That's right. I'm in the township of Spring Valley. And today, our guest, uh, our returning guest, Joe Murdoch, is in the beautiful city of Lakewood, Colorado. That's right. It's very nice today. It's like 73, 74 degrees. That's warmer than here. Yeah. Uh, it's like 62 today. But so, we do have a storm coming. I think it's supposed to snow this weekend. Yeah, we had the... No bit, rain. We had a little bit of rain yesterday-ish, I think. Or at mm-hmm. least it was a moist, moistness in the air. <laughs> That's always nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. So, Joe, for our listeners who may not have heard your first... Uh, episode with us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, um, what your area of expertise is? Because that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Yeah, so I am a faculty in the business school at the University of Colorado, Denver, uh, in, in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Uh, and I have been teaching for about six years now, uh, mainly focus on IT subjects like cybersecurity, networking, data privacy, uh, that sort of thing, as well as uh, business classes. And uh, before I was a teacher, I spent about 15, 16 years working in IT. So I consider myself a recovering IT professional at this point. <laughs> Excellent. Well, and the, the idea of this episode came by because uh, Allison, um, as we all know, is, is not the best technology-wise. And so she kept asking me these technology questions. And I was like, Allison, I don't know. I'll ask I'll ask you, Joe. And so uh, we were like, why why have a middleman when we can just share the wealth of information with the world? So, right. Yeah, 100%. So Joe, I'm just going to jump into it. Thank you again mm-hmm. for joining us this morning. Um, so during the last couple of weeks throughout the US, a lot of us have had to connect online with our coworkers and loved ones. Um, this idea came came about because I actually got a virus on my computer on my computer and I'm concerned that the cyber threats are going to continue and that my personal information will be compromised. So I was wondering if you could tell us what are the cybersecurity risks for individuals and business owners during COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we are starting to see, you know, new scams pop up, um, you know, mostly around the, uh, the stimulus checks that the government's going to be issuing. Um, but as far as protecting yourself, you know, really the, the thing I tell people is assume your information's already out there on the internet, uh, and act accordingly, uh, because there are companies out there, you know, like Equifax, they had a giant data breach a couple of years ago, breached, you know, financial records and personal, uh, information of, you know, something like 168 million Americans. And, uh, you know, you have no control over what companies like that do with your data, sadly. Um, so even if you're the best at protecting your data, if some other company that has it is not, then, you know, you're, you're still at risk. So, you know, do things like, you know, monitor your, your credit. You know, I use a uh, credit karma 
and you can also get a free credit report from the three bureaus once every year. So make sure nobody's opened up an account in your name. Um, you know, it's obviously important to back up your, your data. You know, I mean, if you have, you know, pictures or whatever, or your schoolwork or, you know, um, whatever it is, um, make sure you have a backup of it. Uh, and, and, and I'll honestly multiple backups, um, because one of the big pieces of, uh, uh, malicious software we're seeing, you know, over the last few years is ransomware, where uh, you get software on your computer that encrypts your data, and then they won't uh, unencrypt it unless you pay them like, you know, $500 in Bitcoin or something like that. Really? Yeah. And, and that hits not only individuals, but it's hit hospitals, it's hit, you know, county sheriff departments, it's hit police, it's hit businesses, um, you know, education, higher education. So, if you have a backup of your data, uh, and again, there's something called the three two one rule. So you want three copies of your data. Uh, you want two copies on different media. So like, you know, external hard drive or flash drive or something like that. And then you want one copy offsite, you know, because if I have my data backed up onto a flash drive and it's sitting next to my computer, my house burns down, I lose my data, right? So having one that's offsite, whether it's, you know, Google Cloud or, you know, there's a bunch of different companies that, you know, sell offsite backup. Um, that way, if, if you do, you know, fall victim to ransomware, you don't have to pay it. You can just, you know, format your computer, start over and you still have your, uh, your data. You obviously want to be careful on, you know, websites that you visit. Um, you want to be careful, like, Email phishing, that's still like the number one way that hackers get into systems is they send an email with either malicious code embedded into it or a link to a malicious website and people click it and then it downloads and, you know, and then it's kind of over from there. So, you know, they're getting better with these emails. They, they tend to look a little bit more legit if they've put some effort into it. So you really got to be careful on, on, you know, where you're going, what you're, what you're doing. Um, I had one you know, uh, at work that was, that looked so real from our IT director. And then it mm -hmm. also had a phone number. It was like, Hey, can you call me? It's an emergency, you know, oh, wow. or like, you know, and I was like, oh shit, you know, what's going on? Um, it, it was in the first thing in the morning and I realized it like before I called, I was like, wait a second, this number isn't, he has never lived in the States where this number is from. Cause I was like, this number doesn't look familiar. Mm. Wow. That was, yeah, you have to be careful with that. Cause I mean, there's all sorts of scams where, you know, it's fairly easy to spoof a phone number. And so somebody will look up the phone number to your bank and spoof that and call you and ask you for information over the phone. Like never do that. If your bank calls you and says there's a problem with your account, then say, okay, I'm gonna hang up now and I will call you back to confirm. And then you actually call your bank uh, and talk to them and they will let you know. And in all honesty, it's probably a scam with the exception of, you know, I get uh, text messages about, you know, did I make this purchase on a credit card type of thing and that's the, you know, fraud, fraud prevention stuff that the credit card companies do and the banks do. But, um, you know, the, the government will never call you. Uh, Microsoft will never call you. Uh, your bank, in all honesty, you know, will probably not call you. So if you ever get one of these calls, um, you know, again, just kind of hang up and then 
call if you if you feel the need you can call the bank yourself and verify that there's an actual issue mm-hmm. unless you're like me and you like to troll them when they call and then i try and see how long i can get them to stay on the line before they hang up on me uh-huh. <laughs> keep the ransom keep, uh people on the line as long as possible right mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, just, and I, I mean if, if i'm not busy you know and i'm just like you know let's let's see how long i can drag this person along for before they realize I know what they're doing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you, um, so Joe, moving on to our, our next question, um, you know, what can the government do to protect users uh, and, or how can we demand more accountability from them for increased security of tech companies? Cause I know that's something that's always constantly in the news, but what is it that we can do or what can the government do or what could the government do in this scenario? I mean, the, the government already does specific things. So obviously the FBI is involved um, because any crime that uses the internet crosses state lines. So it's federal jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI has the InfraGuard program, which is a, uh, a partnership with uh, the government and with uh, private companies where they try and stay up on all this. And if, you know, if they need to investigate something, um, it's a resource for companies to use. Most larger cities have a chapter. Denver's got one. I would imagine Las Vegas has one. Um, you know, the U S secret service is involved in, in cyber crime stuff as well. Oh. Uh, Department of Homeland security, national security agency, you know, they're all, um, you know, trying to work, not only with other government agencies, but also the the private sector to try and, you know, keep up with what's, what's going on, the latest, you know, kinds of attacks, you know, they tend to focus more on protecting critical infrastructure, you know, the, the power plants, the power grid, the water grid, um, you know, traffic, all of that sort of stuff that would really be a disruption to the country as a whole. Um, as far as as businesses, you know, it's going to depend on the business on on what they're doing. Hopefully, they have a good you know risk management program, and and cyber is certainly part of that. Um, smaller businesses can be an issue because typically they don't have the resources for all of that. You know, they're just mm-hmm. trying to focus on whatever their business objectives are, and and typically IT is not one of them. So for them, you know, there's companies that can consult and they can contract that work out. But again, that costs money. So, um, you know, at the, the very base level, just practicing the same safe cyber practices you would at home uh, at your business as well. Don't don't click on links and emails. Don't visit malicious websites. You know, don't uh, uh, try and fall for those those online scams. I mean, I was over at mom and dad's the other day and and. Uh, they got a call from quote unquote Microsoft oh. that their computers were no longer supported and they needed to take immediate action. And um, they called like three times within a couple hours. And I finally answered the phone and because I was like, why does this number keep calling? And it, and it was, it was, it was a scam, you know, type of thing. They were trying to get me to log into the computer and go to this website so they can help me out. And oh, so you really, you just have to, you know, be aware that, you know, they're out there and, you know, again, for, for smaller companies, uh, make sure that you keep your systems updated, you know, the operating system and any software you use, make sure you run, you know, anti, antivirus, anti-malware software. Um, I think Alice and Jake sent you the, uh, the malware bytes. I've used that one quite a bit. 
Uh -huh. um, I, I downloaded it and it appears my computer is now working. That's good. That's good. Yay. Yeah, because it, it, you know, it works on, there's a lot of antivirus companies out there. A lot of them are legit. Some of them are not legit. And, you know, you really have to, you know, do some research on them. But I've been using Malwarebytes for a few years and works on your Android phone, works on your, your iPhone, works on your Mac and works on your Windows PC. So they have a free version. They have a paid version. Paid version just does a lot more things automatically. So, you know, it's stuff like that. Just just really, you know, practicing those safe, uh, safe cyber practices uh, and um I sent you uh, some links for your listeners that you could put in the show notes that talk more about all of that. Yeah, uh, excellent. So Joe, right, right now we're conducting this interview th through Zoom and people have, so I, I appreciate you giving us information about not clicking on links, et cetera, but there are some applications that we just have to use to be in communication with people. I'm really concerned right now because my parents have been trying to make an appointment with the doctor and I'm kind of like, wary of you know them sharing confidential information over over the computer or also like video calls right like i, mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking um before we started taping about the show don't fuck with cats and people you know we're letting people into our houses they can see our living rooms you know i'm afraid that if i have some medicine in the background or my kids are going around back you know behind me like People, not just the people that I'm on the conference call, but maybe if it's hacked, this this information is being compromised. So what apps or meeting software should I be wary of um, and how can we protect ourselves? Well, I think you should always, you know, without putting on my tinfoil hat, I think you should always be wary <laughs> of any software you're going to install and you should do a little checking on it to, to make sure it's legitimate before you actually install it. Uh, and that you're getting it from a legitimate source, right? Um, so as far as using, you know, things like Zoom, Cisco WebEx, Zoom's been in the news a lot lately because number one, when we made, you know, everybody made the switch to go on remote, uh, their user base went from like 10 million to 200 million almost overnight. Wow. Um, Shit. Zoom, there, there's really two issues um, regarding Zoom that have kind of been brought to light. Um, the first one's a configuration issue. It's not really a, a security issue per se, because any system, if you don't implement it properly and securely, is going to lead to problems, right? Um, so with Zoom, you know, when, when you guys join the meeting, uh, I have the waiting room function turned on, which means that anybody trying to join the meeting goes into the waiting room first, and then I have to approve their entry into mm -hmm. the meeting. Um, that's probably one of the easiest ways to keep people that shouldn't be in your meeting out of it, right? They can't join it until you approve it. Um, you can also require a password, but the password's on the Zoom invite that gets sent out. So if that, you know, gets posted online or it gets sent to somebody that shouldn't have it, they're going to be able to join. Um, but really by just putting a password on or enabling waiting room, you're, you're going to prevent those uh, Zoom bombings is what they're called, where somebody joins, you know, I mean, the Zoom meeting ID, it's a nine digit number. So with as many people using it, you could probably make one up and throw it in and see if you connect to something. So um, those two things will help prevent Zoom bombings. You can also, once everybody's in the meeting, you can lock the meeting and prevent anybody else from joining at that point. So if it's you know just the three of us and we're already in and we're not expecting anybody else, I can lock the meeting and, and nobody else would be able to join. So. Um, Zoom has been uh, turning a lot of that on by default 
just because people weren't aware of it or they weren't doing it. And again, that's, that's a configuration user education thing, right? The other issue that Zoom is having uh, centers around privacy. Um, and, you know, without getting too technical, um, Zoom uses quite a few servers. The majority are in the US, but they do have some that are in China. And so sometimes people are connecting to a server in China, even though they don't know, it just depends on network congestion, you know, how many people are using the other servers, that sort of thing. Uh, and one of the problems with, with China is that the Chinese government, if you do business there, they can request things like encryption keys to try and see what the data is. So oh. Zoom does implement some encryption. Um, it's probably not as secure a method as you know, other companies like Cisco or Microsoft are doing. Uh, it's definitely something that they're looking at because of all the backlash. You know, they, they are a public company and they want to make sure that they're doing the best for their customers and that sort of thing. So I think uh, this morning they actually just hired a person uh, to head up security. I think it's Facebook's former security chief. So they are, they are looking at addressing it. Um, I think the, you know, the, the question people should ask themselves is what am I going to be talking about? Right. What am I comfortable talking about, whether it's on the phone or in email or on the, you know, a web conference, they're all vulnerable. If somebody has the technology and the aptitude, they'll be able to, you know, figure out what you're doing. Um, so you really have to ask yourself, what am I comfortable talking about? Right. Mm -hmm. um, as right. far as your, your question about, I think your parents talking to the doctor, um, medical information is protected under HIPAA. Um, you know, so, it, you know, it, it's okay. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, right. It is. But I mean, does that mean that zoom is, you know, uh, abiding by HIPAA regulation? You know, maybe not, they may not be looking at that, or it may just say, you know, zoom isn't storing any of that, assuming you're not recording it. Uh, then, you know, they just need to make sure that it does have some encryption on it. So really it's, you know, I think that we're more comfortable with the telephone because it's been around longer, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's pretty easy to, to eavesdrop on a telephone connection, especially if it's using the internet, like a lot of phones are nowadays. Oh, no. um, you know, if, like if you had like uh, Comcast, actually, and actually probably one of the most secure is using cell phone because it uses uh, a different type of communication. You know, it's it's a radio frequency, so you have to have specialized equipment to be able to do that, right? Government has it, right? FBI has that type of equipment they can listen to it, but you know, some of that stuff you can get. So, anyway, without going down a rabbit hole, I think <laughs> just be aware of what you're talking about, and if you're okay using the communication method that you're using, mm -hmm. right? Um, if it's you know, like uh, you know, my medical provider they have their own in-house email system that I can use to communicate with my doctor. And it, you know, they do fall under HIPAA. So they've got to make sure that they're compliant with all of that. So that's why I don't use Gmail to communicate with my doctor. I use their in-house system. So if I'm using something like a third party application like zoom to communicate with my doctor, you know, again, may not be the best idea, or maybe it is. I mean, because what am I talking about that would be, I guess, of, you know, of use to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. 
So, and you also talked about, you know, having something like a, a pill bottle in, in view of your conference, right? Um, and, and really there's something called like a, a clear desk policy that a lot of corporations uh, implement. And it basically means, you know, don't ever have anything on your desk if you're not there immediately working on it. That would be some sort of sensitive information that somebody could see, whether they're walking by your office or by your cubicle, or if you're on a phone call, right? So always look at your surroundings and make sure that there's nothing sitting there, like your your bank statement that's got your bank account number on it or something like that. Good tip. Good tip. Well, and also, again, like kids in the background, right? I'm afraid of you know, your family members wandering in, especially underage people. I mean, if you're going to worry about that, I wouldn't necessarily worry so much about a web conference other than it's probably not the most professional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to look at all the, the IoT devices that are in your house, Internet of Things. Like if you have these cheap webcams off the Internet, they don't have any kind of security. Those are the ones that people can, you know, control remotely and start freaking out your, your kids or the parents and talking to them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ring was in the news a couple of months ago that was also not a ring issue. That was a user issue because what happens is people reuse their passwords. So I use the same password for my ring account as I do my Pandora account, as I do my Facebook account, any one of those gets breached. Uh, the first thing hackers do is try and use those login credentials on other sites. Mm -hmm. And that is how they were getting into the ring accounts. So what ring did is they, Um, enabled, if you want it, multi-factor authentication, where in addition to your username and password, you need a code that they text to your phone or send to your email or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But really that comes back to users, uh, you know, we can't be using the same passwords for every site because if one gets breached, then they're all vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I think that that the multi-factor, what is it, the multi, what you call multi-factor it? Multi-factor authentication. That's always really helpful. I mean, for me, like, I have a really common Gmail address, right? So, like, people think it's their address or they try to get the password for it all the time. And so I've, I enabled that as soon as I could. So, like, the only way to reset my Gmail password is for me to get a text message to allow mm-hmm. it to be changed. So, I mean, hypothetically, if I lost my phone, I guess I'd be shit out of luck. But it's... You know, at least there's steps there. At least it's another level of protection, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I get I get probably once or twice a week, I get somebody who's trying to change my email password. Wow. Because they probably think it's theirs. I mean, you know, or they could be doing it for nefarious reasons. But I think it's probably just people are like, oh, this is probably my email address. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, so Joe, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you brought up the stimulus checks that we're supposed to be expecting from the government soon. Um, what are some issues that people should be worried about when they start to come out? Well, so remember, the government is not going to call you. The IRS is not going to call you and ask you for 20 bucks to deposit your stimulus check into your account, right? Mm-hmm. So the stimulus checks are going to be based on your, your tax returns. So if you haven't done 2019, they'll be based off your 2018 tax returns. Um, if you have a bank account on record, you know, from previous tax returns that you've used to um, deposit a refund, they're going to use that. So they will automatically direct deposit into that bank account. Uh, if for some reason you've changed bank accounts, you don't have that one anymore, then it's going to complicate things and um, you'll need to contact the IRS. They're supposed to have a website up where you can do this, but I don't think it's live yet. 
Mm-mm, no. Um, otherwise, they're going to mail it to you. So, um, you know, word is, is that if you filed your, your 2019 returns and they've been, you know, completed and vetted by the IRS and you have direct deposit, uh, we may start seeing those deposits this week. Um, otherwise, if it's going to be by check, you know, it, it could be anywhere from weeks to a couple of months uh, before it comes out. So, um, you know, that's going to open up the thing to, you know, the whole mail fraud where people are trying to check your mailbox before you do to see if there's a check in there that they can try and, you know, cash nefariously. Um, you know, again, there's, we're already seeing scams of, um, you know, people reaching out either over email or a phone call saying, Hey, your stimulus check, you can get it faster. If you pay me 50 bucks and, you know, do this and do that, like it's not, it's not going to happen. Right. We're going to get it when, when they come out again, IRS is not going to call us. You get a call. It's a scam. Uh, government always communicates via the U S postal service. Right. So, you know, that you also need to watch for, you know, obviously scam letters, but those are, you know, if you get a letter and it's kind of, you know, says call the government, make sure you, you Google the IRS phone number before you call the number that's on that letter. Sure. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things too. I've already noticed that on uh, like just some like internet ads about the stimulus that are obviously providing misleading information. So, mm-hmm. um, just, yeah. I, and I mean, everybody, you know, it's, it's $1,200, you know, per person up to a $75,000 uh, income. If you're a couple, it's 2,400 up to 150,000 and it kind of tapers off after there. And then, 500 bucks per kid under 17 because it matches with the the child tax credit so right and it's everybody um, with a social security number correct i believe that's the yeah everybody with a social security number and like some people don't file tax returns because you know for whatever reason you do need to file the 2019 tax return um Mm -hmm. to get this but you'll you'll still get it it may just it may just be delayed right Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's really useful information. Um, it, especially during these uncertain times, any any sort, any amount of money is welcome, and we wouldn't want people to lose out on a, a penny of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you have to be, you know, kind of wary of other schemes that are going to be going on too. You know, trying to take advantage of people while they're vulnerable. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know it's not any fun, but you just, you know, you kind of got to evaluate all the information that you see and just does this really sound legit like if it sounds too good to be true it probably is right you know the prince of nigeria suddenly calls says i got a million bucks for you probably uh probably not true yeah yeah most definitely well and and i think i mean i think that's always good just to be skeptical and you know evaluate offers based upon the reputation too of the organization. So like if it's, you know, I always get concerned because I remember during the last stimulus when we were in the the great, great recession, a lot of the payday lenders, you know, were running these specials that were like mm-hmm. super insanely high interest rates. You know, if you're going to- Yeah, those, those paycheck uh, payday loans, those are predatory loans. I wish this oh, yeah. country could get rid of them uh, because they just prey on people that are vulnerable. Right. Um, you know, so really if, if you're, if you're hurting, like, you know, you got laid off, you're, you're trying to get on an unemployment. We have record numbers of people trying to get on unemployment. All the unemployment systems are overwhelmed. Um, you know, websites aren't able to handle the load. 
Like yeah. reach out to your bank. Like if you're worried you're going to miss a mortgage payment or a credit card payment, um, you know, just reach out to them now uh, as opposed to, to just waiting because a lot of them will work with you. You know, they're waiving fees. They're waiving late fees. They, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't want you to not be able to pay. So, um, right. you know, and in the event that you need to, to get, you know, some sort of personal loan, uh, the terms from your bank are going to be better than getting it from your credit card or, or one of these predatory lending agencies. Right. Yeah. Or I guess companies. Well, Joe, well, thank you for all that information. So I have, we have one final question for you that, that isn't about um, cybersecurity, but um, with all this newfound time at home for you, how are you spending your time? Any TV shows, movies, podcasts, or other things you found that have been uh, useful in this time of, of relative isolation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, it hasn't changed that much because, you know, I'm still teaching. Um, we're just remote now as opposed to on campus. So I've still got a grade. I've still got to build lesson plans and, and record lectures and, you know, all, all that that entails. I'm, I'm really just saving on not driving downtown and, and back. Um, but to, to try and help with the cabin fever, um, you know, the, the podcast that I know, like, you know, I don't think I picked up anything new, but, um, you know, I normally listen to like Motley Fool and uh, Dan Patrick show for sports, which is weird because no sports are going on. Right. No. Right. It's gotta be but, super strange. Uh, yeah. No, they're, they're doing a really good job with it. Um, you know, at least providing some, uh, some escape from, from what's going on. Um, but I listened obviously to, to wild and free as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> as, as far as shows, um, we, Anna and I haven't started the new season of Ozark yet, but we'll, uh, we'll be getting to that hopefully at some point, uh, new, new season of Kim's convenience on Netflix. We're almost through that. <laughs> and, uh, and I started watching war of the worlds on, on epics. Uh, it's the first season of that. Epics is free right now. Oh, okay. So you can get it on YouTube TV or Apple TV or probably even just online. But uh, it's actually really well done, the the War of the Worlds uh, series. So it's it. kind of, uh, um, it takes place pretty much in, in France and in the UK right now. And, uh, you know, in these, these, not not necessarily apocalyptic times, but certainly like not normal times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to forget about the pandemic and focus instead on the alien invasion, I guess. Right? Yeah. Definitely. Which, which is probably coming. Right. It may be right. <laughs> December twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did just uh, purchase the uh, the World War Z uh, book on Audible. Oh, nice. I've been wanting to, to read that for a while. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to buy it on Audible so I can listen to it. But it looks like it has a pretty good uh, group that narrated, I think, Alan Alda and a couple other people. So oh, nice. I'm looking forward to reading that one. And, and uh, I actually saw an interview. Um, the, the author was on uh, Real Time uh, last week. And uh, he's kind of talking about uh, he wrote it after the first SARS outbreak. Uh, back in 2002 mm-hmm. and so a lot of it is kind of tied to what happened to that and, and it'll be interesting to see how it's tied to, to what's going on now did you watch the movie have you seen the movie 
uh, the with Brad World, Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's nothing like the movie, so yeah, I, be yeah, in that's, for a ride. You know, when, I, when I was listening to him and I was kind of reading yeah. about the book, it's like, this doesn't really sound anything like the movie. No, I so. liked the movie, but I read the book first. I loved it. The book is phenomenal. Like, it's just such yeah. a... It's such an... I don't know if I've read... There are a few books I've read as quick as that one, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to it at, at some point. Excellent. See what's on there. We, we appreciate uh, you coming on and supporting the Wild and Free podcast. Um, this was all super useful, Joe. I've been taking notes, and I'm going to um, download all the apps and all the things you recommended, and hopefully this information will be useful to our listeners, and we'll be linking all the um, websites and links that you sent us in our show notes so our listeners right. can access those. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, we all need to do our part to, to try and stay safe, not only in the in the pandemic, but in the uh, in the cyber world as as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, here's hoping we return to the real world uh, real soon. That's yeah, right. yeah. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll be uh, getting back to normal at some point in the next maybe couple months. But here's hoping. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. And then you'll have to come back to Las Vegas because your last trip had was uh, postponed. Due to yeah, COVID we were scheduled to come out over uh, over my spring break, and that's like right when the state went on kind of the shelter in place, or the not the shelter in place, but the stay at home sure, sure. type of thing. And you know, we're we're supposed to go to Canada at the end of May, and I don't think that's I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe it will. Hopefully, it will. But uh, you know, we'll see see what happens. Yeah. Sure. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, Joe, uh, for joining us again. This has been wild and free about a born podcast i'm jacob i'm allison and who's the team as always with us allison we are comprised by our producer jose sotelo research assistance by ashley pacheco creative design by berta gutierrez and of course the dog in the den of descent which we have not seen personally in some time because yes, of this damn covid19 we've got raven and a baby and if yeah. we've we've got a baby well and joe's got a baby too so those those Don't very baby. adorable babies mm -hmm. the best Hope friends that have never met in real life soon yes oh yeah. yes well, thank you so much joe stay safe and healthy and uh hope to see you soon yeah you too as well thanks for having me on all right giddy up giddy up <laughs>